Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Now, in case you missed this earlier and you weren't here last week or last week was seven days ago, so you don't know what I talked about anyway, let me remind you. So I'm not saying that we should get rid of Christmas. Obviously, uh, we're big fans of Jesus around here and we're all about celebrating his birthday, right? That's, that's, we're all in on that. Yes, that's right. So what we want to do, though, is we want to identify some of those things about Christmas that we should probably let go that have nothing to do with Jesus and or his birthday or him being the Prince of Peace. That's what I want us to be thinking about and wrestling with because a lot of us have those kinds of things that we introduce into our celebration of Christmas that, if we think about it, really don't have anything at all to do with Jesus and in some ways can get in the way of Jesus. So what we're trying to do during this series is just, again, think through really practically what that means because... If you've been coming for any amount of time, you know that I want to try to make this stuff as practical as I can. Because our faith is one that's powerful, it's spirit-driven, it's, so, it's supernatural, right? It's otherworldly, but it's also got to be lived out. It, this is not like theoretical physics or something, right? This is like something that God expects you to live out in your life. He expects you to understand your faith and understand what this is about. Living in community, you'll understand that more. But also that you're going to take this and you're going to do something with it. Like this is actually going to make a difference in your life. That's what your faith is supposed to do. That's what it means to be a new creation. You're not the old creation any longer. You're something different now. You're someone different now. So forgiveness should come a little easier. Love should come a little quicker. Accountability should be received with a little more humility, right? Just things like that. Everyday things in our life should be done differently, should look differently. And this is one of those things. Because if you're not careful, what I talked about last week is that you're, this next question, you're going to see this. Is Christmas an idol that's destroying Christmas? And that's an odd thing to consider. Is Christmas itself becoming this idol that is drowning out and or destroying Christmas? And you can see in your own life when this is happening in a lot of different ways. But what ultimately, at the, I think, at the core what is happening is that you're slipping into, if you start to forget the reason, really, as a Christian, you're starting to worship Christmas and not Christ. So that's kind of the bedrock of this series. It's to consider, are you worshiping Christmas and everything that goes with it and giving more thought to the details about Christmas than the meaning of Christmas, right? Like, are you spending a lot of emotional and physical and financial energy on the stuff of Christmas rather than the point of Christmas? So I hear a lot of Christians get upset with people like, oh, nobody, you know, the meaning of Jesus and Christmas has been completely lost. But again, my worry for myself included, because I've done it, is that we as Christians, we as the faithful, if you're watching or if you're in the room and you would say, yeah, man, I'm along with Jesus, is that you, yourself, are forgetting the meaning as well. Because it's really easy to worship Christmas instead of Christ. Because all the things that are out there that, are, that can be good can easily be warped into things that just bring stress and anxiety. Because I also wanted us to think about 
during the Advent story, because we're in Advent this month, I want you to give thought to your life. I want you to make this very personal and very practical, this series. Because I'm just trying to pick out things, I just as I talk with people and as I examine my own life, my own past, I'm like, man, these are some things that I have struggled with or I just see people struggling with. And so when we look at Advent, again, I mentioned earlier, we're going to look in the context of the whole story, because that's how Jesus did it. And in Luke 24, talking of two very depressed disciples that thought their Savior just got killed and that everything is over, Jesus comes alongside them and Luke records this. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So I would be sorely mistaken as your pastor if I didn't say every Christmas season, we have got to keep these two together. We have to see Jesus' life and his birth, certainly, but everything else in the context of the greater story in which it fits. And so Jesus was always trying to do that. He was saying, look, my birth is a part of a greater story. My death that you just witnessed, depressed disciples, is a part of a greater story that's going to affect all of human history, and it's going to echo into eternity. And they're totally confused at this point, but Jesus wants to make sure they understood how this story fit into that bigger context. And that's what Advent is. It's allowing us to step back before Jesus came and look ahead with that hope like we did last Sunday, but then also look at those components. Today will be peace, and then there's joy, and then there's love, and like I said, Christmas Eve, all of them, so that we can have an appreciation. Christmas is not going to change much. Each season to season, like what I preach, what I talk about, maybe different angles, but it's always going to center around this verse here because I want us to see, don't get all caught up and, oh my gosh, Christmas and everything. It's like, yeah, but as a follower of Jesus, man, we should appreciate that bigger story. Because if you do, it's going to mean a lot more. It just will. If every year you just take time to think, man, this, this little story that we celebrate this time of year, it affects Genesis to Revelation. Like, this story fits in its proper context. And so I just want to hit that. Every year we do this so that we're being, I think, faithful to that, this big connected story. So our question to consider for this series, though, again, making it personal, how do you need to let go of Christmas this year? I want to hit on, again, some major, I think, things that a lot of us get caught up on. But I want you to ask yourself, are you worshiping Christmas or are you worshiping Christ? Because if you worship Christmas, a good way to tell whether or not you're worshiping Christmas or Christ is your stress level, right? If you're getting pulled in 8,000 directions, maybe it's time to say, I can't, I just can't do that. I can't spend money on that. I can't be there for that. This time of year, there's so many things that pull at us and just make us miserable. And I know too many people that get to Christmas. My wife was one of them before. And I remember we had several years ago to have a conversation about that. Like, man, she is so stressed out by the time Christmas comes. This is not a fun season. Because work was a very busy time of year. Working on Operation Christmas Child was like through the roof busy. And then everything else that we were trying to do, host parties, go to parties, get gifts, everything. And I was like, man, what can we do so that you're not like this? You know, it's like, how, how can I help? And I got to be honest, I didn't do a good job, you know, of that early on. I didn't. I was like, all right, well, just let me know if you figure something out on you know, nope, not well done. Uh, I didn't do a well, good job at all. So I just, I want us to think through again, what do we need to let go of? So this year, or I guess this Sunday rather, I want to consider this question. So last, last Sunday was, what about that perfect Christmas do you need to let go of? This Sunday, can gifts distract you from the real gift? Now that seems like a real softball, churchy, Christmassy question. Like, yes, of course, Pastor Kyle. Wow. All right, let's pray and get out of here, right? But I want you to think a little bit deeper about this. I want to present some information to you because here's what I know. People are really good at fooling themselves. 
we are good at lying and deceiving ourselves, right? You work with people for any amount of time, and you're going to see that we're pretty good at that, right? You look in the mirror long enough, you're going to see that we're pretty good at deceiving ourselves. So I want us to think a little deeper about this question than just saying, well, yes, of course, gifts can distract from the real gift. Because again, last Sunday, what is that perfect vision of Christmas that will never live up to your expectations? Whatever it might be, how your family treats you, the gifts that you get, your postcards, your social media posts, like, every, like what is your perfect vision of Christmas that can't live up to its own hype? This Sunday, what about, what about the gifts? What about that portion of it? So I want to start this by asking you a question. I just want you to think in your head, like you don't have to yell them out, but what is, on average, the amount of money that the average person in America thinks they're going to spend on Christmas gifts? So let me ask that again. If polling was done across America this year, the average person says they're going to spend X amount of dollars on Christmas gifts. Like, just think to yourself, what do you, what do you think that would be? Where do you think we'd put that? So it's $850. Now, this has no connection to reality. None. It's just some person being like, you know, there are a bunch of people that got polled and they're like, yeah, on average, uh, they're 850 bucks. Now, do they budget for that? Do they have any idea how much money they're actually spending? Are they just like, and again, I don't know how that number lands with you. Are you like, wow, that's like a million dollars? Or are you like, wow, that's it? I don't know what your budget is. That's not really the point. I want you to notice a contrast. I want you to notice a very important contrast here. So this is what the average person thinks that they're going to spend. Now, on the other hand, I'm going to read this because I'll, I'll butcher this name. According to information based on the National Retail Federation's holiday spending forecast, let me say that again, based on the National Retail Federation's holiday spending forecast, they say we're going to spend this much money this year, 900 and $62 billion is going to be spent by roughly 222 million people in the month of November and December. And it's like, well, how do those two numbers connect? The average person thinks they're going to spend 850 when in reality, we're going to spend around $4,300 during the Christmas season. And this is based on facts. They're, t- they're making this projection based on what we spent last year. And it's just a modest bump of 3 to 4% this year. So I want you to, again, very, very practical. I'm not trying to talk about the Prince of Peace in a void. I woke up this morning with my son having to go to the ER, and then I look at Christmas season, and I see people freaking out because we get sucked into just buying stuff all the time. And people are so stressed out, and they can't afford to do it, and we think we're going to spend that, but we forget that whether or not we actually spend that or not, we forget there's travel, there's dinner, there's clothes we're buying for things, there's splurging because, hey, when you're buying stuff for other people, you should get four or five things for yourself, too, because, hey, it's on sale, right? It's all of this kind of stuff. And so they, the National, whatever the name, National Retail Federation knows us better than we do. We are deceiving ourselves and thinking that we're not spending that much when in reality money is just slipping out of our bank accounts. And it's not coming really even out of our bank accounts. It's coming out of a credit card. Because 75% of the people, again, polled this year, that are going to buy stuff this year are going to put it on their credit card. So they're going to add that $4,300 or so to medical debt, college debt, car loans, probably more than one, a house loan splurging, vacations, 
stuff they don't need, Dunkin' Donuts. Everybody's like, you just shut your dirty mouth, Pastor Kyle. <laughs> Talk about my donkeys. Yeah. So you got, like, this is a real problem in America. So I'm not making these things up. When I say Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we should be celebrating that this Christmas season, and not getting sucked into Christmas as it is, I'm pointing to something real that's happening to us. Because how, how in debt are we? Well, as of early November, so we're already worse than this, credit card debt, just credit card debt in America sits at $1.08 trillion. So we can't afford it. We're already drowning in debt, and we're going to add roughly $4,300 per person to that debt. Why? I suspect there's something about Christmas that we might need to let go. And it has to do with how we spend. It's why we did financial peace as a whole church. I loved hearing the financial peace university stories. If you don't know what that is, it's a plan on how to handle your money in a way that honors God and gives you margin, allows you to prepare for struggles financially, and it allows you to be ultimately to be generous, right? So that you can spend money in a way that blesses you and blesses other people, right? And it's not selfish. It's not all about you. Like, that's what financial peace is about. And that's why we do it every single year. Every single year we're going to commit to it. We're going to commit financial resources as a church so that people can take that and not have to pay for it. Because it's making a difference. Somebody lost their job not long ago, and they said, you know what? It's so awesome because of Financial Peace University, I had three to four months of savings saved up. Never in my life have I done that before. I just lost my job, and it's okay. Now I have time to look for a job instead of flipping out, wondering where the next meal is going to come from. Right? Peace. Real peace. That's a lot of debt to be carrying, right? That's a lot of debt. And here's, again, I want this to be as real as possible for you, as real concrete as possible. So this is how much, about 25 to 30% of Americans are going to still be paying off debt from last Christmas. One in four people in our country still have not paid off Christmas from last year. And now what are they going to do? They're going to add 4,300 more dollars to it on average. And you're like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not going to spend that much. But are you doing this kind of stuff? Are you just putting it on a card and paying it forward and making tomorrow you worry about it? Like, there's a lot of people that are doing that. One in four of us, as a matter of fact, are doing that. And so I found this quote from this guy, Ted Rossman, from Bankrate. And he said this, even a modest 1000 So even if it was only 1000 bucks, a balance, and then he says, from last year's holiday gifts, perhaps, would keep someone in debt for 40 months and cost them around $400 in interest if they only make the minimum payments at a current average rate of 20.72%. And that's if it's just 1000 And that's if you don't have all the other debt that Americans are carrying as well. Peace is a real thing that can be sought and can be actually received and can actually, you can put your hands around peace. And that's what I want to talk about because this is one of those things I believe we got to let go. We got to let go of. And for years and years and years, Brittany and I went round and round and round with this kind of thing. And then finally, I'm going to share some like, things at the end. I really wanted her to share with me, but she had to go to the ER this morning, so she can't come up. But she gave me all these. Because, again, I want to make it practical. Like, Brittany, what have we done? What have you done to bring some peace? Like, how have we gotten to a place where you don't want to rip all your hair out December 24th? Right? And some of it was just her. And so i got to give her credit for that. But that's at the end. you got to stay awake the whole time to hear that. All right? So, again... Here's a good, again, if you have, if you're, if you're spending, spending, spending money you don't have, 
piling up things that you don't need, you're probably worshiping Christmas instead of Christ. That's a good indication. It's decorations, it's dinners, it's all of it. It's all the trimmings. Trimmings aren't bad. But if you're driving yourself in a financial crisis and anxiety is coming, you're probably worshiping Christmas instead of Christ. So it's just a good indication. Again, trying to make it practical. But I want to hit that question for today. How do you need to let go of Christmas this year? Last week, again, that perfect vision of Christmas. This week talked about that kind of like that, uh, the drive to buy everything. But our question for today, though, can a, can a gift and gifts distract you from the real gift? And, of course, I want to argue yes on that. But a question for you. Where do you think, why do we give gifts so much? Gifts are, it's a weird tradition, if you think about it. All the gift giving that we do and all the buying that we do is an odd tradition to celebrate the coming of a humble servant slash almost borderline slave, a wandering itinerant preacher who had almost no influence until like 30 years into his life, and then he had about three years of influence, and then he was crucified in a cursed way, in an embarrassing, shameful way. We celebrate all that by buying all kinds of things. Why? Is it because of the gifts the wise men gave? Is it because Jesus is the ultimate gift of the season? Yes, perhaps. But if that's true, we should probably think differently about giving gifts and receiving gifts. Like, if that's really the reason why what, what we're reflecting in our gift giving, we should probably approach it differently. And again, that's for you. I don't know what that looks like in your life. Another way to consider that maybe you're worshiping Christmas instead of Christ is that you spend all your time focusing on those details, like I mentioned earlier. All the details of the season... Or the season, and not really the meaning of the season. So, what gets your attention? The details do, not the meaning. That's another good indication. You're spending all your energy on the details. Because we have so many paths to get stuff and buy stuff. Like, I ordered something on Walmart the other day, and it was just something that I needed. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't even know. Something for the house. And like three hours later, it showed up at my doorstep. Boom, the guy just throws it on my front porch. I'm like, What? I couldn't even go on to Walmart and come back home as quick as that came to my house just now. And I was like, man, go Walmart. And I was just like, what else can I order? No, not really. But I'm like, man. Like, right? So they make it so easy to buy stuff and have it at the house. But again, we're spending money that maybe we don't have and we're piling up things we don't need. When you do that, you're worshiping Christmas and not Christ anymore. You've shifted your focus. Okay? So Advent. Again, let's put this. Let's move forward here. So Advent, you got last week, hope. There was the hope of Jesus coming, right? We step back in time a little bit to Isaiah 9, which we'll be hearing in just a second if you want to go there. And then we had, easy. Now today, we've got peace, right? We've got peace. Next Sunday, like I said, we're going to be looking at joy, and then we're going to be looking at love, and then celebrating all of them. But peace, peace is actually offered to the baby that was born in pretty much just a cave. Promise all throughout the Bible. And look, and here's where it starts. Look, look, look at this. In Isaiah 9, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. 700 years before Jesus, right? This anticipation is building. And the government will be on his shoulders. Man, that's a promise. 700 years before Jesus, right? And they're going to face, the nation of Israel is going to face some serious difficulty waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. But the government's going to be on his shoulder. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. 
Prince of Peace. So let's look at how that idea is echoed out, this idea of peace. We sing a song here that comes from Numbers chapter 6. And it's a blessing that if I can, I like to get to parents in the hospital when they have a kid or shortly thereafter, and I like to ask them to read this over their children. And it's a song that we sing because we literally want to pray this over you because it's about God meeting your needs, but it's also about peace. So let's look at this out of Numbers chapter 6, the high priestly prayer that God told them to pray over the people. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And lastly, may the Lord look with favor on you and give you his peace. This is just a promise. It's going to start here and it's just going to ripple and it's going to build momentum as the Bible goes on and as the New Testament comes. And again, there's this hope that's building of this one that would bring peace because there's two kinds of peace in the Bible. You have peace from God, like this, that God is peace, and he's going to give us that peace. But then there's also, as the New Testament comes, you're going to have peace with God. Because in the Old Testament, that wasn't really guaranteed. It was a little tentative in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system. It was never permanent. But Jesus was going to bring peace with God in a new way. Again, think about the gift. It's not just the manger, it's the cross. And so where that ripples to, you see like the effect of this a little bit later in another passage in Isaiah. So we were in Isaiah 9, and then if you go forward a little bit in Isaiah 32, this is what happens when you pursue righteousness and holiness and godliness. The result of that righteousness, the result of that holiness and that godliness is going to be what? It's going to be peace. So this is a promise that's made. When you start to align your life with God and you actually start to live this stuff out and stop just giving lip service, right? I know a lot of marriages that are like really, really having a hard time because they're not pursuing righteousness and holiness together. But when Brittany and I don't pursue righteousness and holiness together, there's a, there's a dissonance, right? We're not, we're not in sync, and I know it. I can feel it. We're not on that same track together. We're not praying together. We're not talking about what we're reading in Scripture together. I'm not trying to be Christ-like because I start to be more selfish. That's me. I just don't want to hear it. I get short with you. I just, I'm a jerk. That's where Kyle goes, right? I just, I just get short. I don't want to hear it. Stop. I don't want to talk about that right now. That's, that's when I can see what's happening in me. That's the first, first sign Usually Brittany notices it annoyingly before I do. And so pursuing righteousness, godliness, holiness, that's going to lead to peace because that vertical relationship is going to be affected and also your horizontal relationships are going to be affected. When you're getting right with God and that relationship is good, the vertical is taken care of, I see it in my own life all the time. And the effect of that pursuit is going to be quiet confidence forever. Really, what is quiet confidence? It's peace. If you see somebody and they have that quiet confidence about them, they just have a peace about them. And God desires that for you. Like, because of your relationship with him, if you take it seriously, he desires that you would actually have this, that this is actually a mark of your life. So that's like that peace from God, and that's that peace relationally with God. But right here, though, you see in Romans chapter 5 and the next one, you have this laid out specifically. It says, the Apostle Paul writing to Christians in Rome, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him, Jesus, by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So by putting your faith in Christ, again, that's what this whole story is about. By putting your faith in what he did, you know you cannot just have peace from God, but you can have peace with your maker. 
Again, Jesus, his context for his story as he told it was he came to give us peace with the Father. What does that mean? It means forgiveness of sins. What does that mean? It means you're not going to hell. That's a cool gift, man. That is the gift. That is the gift that is offered to us. God gives us access to himself through his son and the sacrifice that the baby in the manger would eventually make. So the peace that's offered, man, God really wants you to have the peace in this life, but he also wants you to have peace in the next. And I, I don't want to separate the message, right? I, I think we do a disservice to the whole story if we focus too heavily on just the one part of it. So the, like the announcement of the, the birth of Jesus, right? We'll read that today. It's in Luke 2, if you want to go there. And this here, this should make it very clear to us what Jesus was supposed to do and what is offered to us. But we know this verse, most of us, so well because we've heard it. Maybe we watched Peanuts growing up and we saw Linus say it so eloquently, right? And it's like, we're just, it's just like part of our, I don't know, we just know the, the announcement. But in Luke 2, this is what happens. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, well, they're all excited. Why? Well, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So right from the get-go, we should understand from this announcement, this, this is the mission of Jesus. It's not just peace from God, it's peace with God. That's the whole reason he came. And that's why they announce it right away. And so it's like, man, where does that land in your life? How does Christmas this year look in light of the promise of peace that's offered to you? In America, we have to make the choice to do things differently as Christians in a lot of ways. But particularly this season, it's going to be super easy every year. And even if you're younger and you're not into all the financial stuff yet, you're building patterns of how you understand how you celebrate Christmas. So even if you're a teenager and you're sitting here, or if you're a grandparent and you're like, I'm past all that, what kind of messaging are we sending and receiving about this season? Because we live our whole lives full of anxiety around this season because we don't ever make the choice to not live in anxiety around this season. So again, like, what, what does that look like for you to say, no, the Prince of Peace is offering me his peace? Because here's what Jesus said, John 14, upper room with his guys, preparing them for him when he leaves. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. Well, how? Well, because he would go on right after this and talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Guys, when you put your faith in what I'm about to do for you and you believe in my sacrifice for you, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And with that is going to come peace with God and peace from God in a brand new way. That's what's offered this Christmas season. So again, I, I say, if you're watching, if you're in the room, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's what this is all about. It's the gift of eternity. And it's also the gift of peace in this life. So I will say that these two things, the peace from God, the peace with God, they, they start with Jesus. They don't start with gifts. They don't start with the things that you're going to get. But gifts aren't bad. Christmas trimmings, the decoration, I love all that stuff. Not bad. But this is, this, I want you to have this, I want to clarify. Giving and receiving gifts isn't wrong. Worshiping Christmas instead of Christ is. Like, as if you're a follower, even if you're curious and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian, it's like this, though, still like brings a lot of tension to people because of how we get sucked into this financial spending spree. It's not what it's about. Yeah, give gifts. Get gifts. That's awesome. Receive gifts. That's cool too. But how do we do that in a way 
that's not just going to drive us crazy and then make us get to January and be like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have bought all that stuff. Because now in a month, it's going to be piled up in a closet somewhere. It's going to break. Right? It's, it's just things that, like, what are we doing really? Right? So I asked Brittany, like I said, I want to end with seven practical things that I have watched my wife embody over the years that has completely changed how she approaches. Now, again, Brittany, if you're watching, thank you. Um, I wanted to have her here with me so she could do this, and I was going to kind of interview her about this. But I, I've seen this in her. So practical tips that can bring some peace. First is from today. It's actually from me, so I can take credit for number one. Remember, like I said earlier, we live in a scientifically marketed society that knows you better than you know yourself, right? You think you're going to spend about eight fifty when really you're going to drop over 4000 right? They know that about us. Why? Because they're going to create a problem in your life, and they're going to say, man, I can, I can fix that for you. They're going to create a need in your life that you never knew. That's why Steve Jobs was such a boss, right? He marketed things like the iPad and the iPod. And I remember when the iPad came out, I was like, that's stupid. Who would ever need one of those? I do. I need one of these really, really badly. And I never thought that I did until I got one. And I was like, wow, I use this thing all the time. But he created a need in my life I never knew that I had. And then he was like, look what I have for that need. That's what marketers do. Really good job. That's what marketers do. So let's be savvy. Let's say I don't need to do that. I don't need to get that because they are going to take me for everything I'm worth if they're able to. Number two, create a budget and stick to it. This is more long form. This is something that Brittany and I learned a long time ago to do. We figured out our budget for the year, how many gifts probably that we're going to need to get. You got birthday parties. You got birthday gifts for your own family and like friends or whatever else. You got Christmas. You got all these things. How much do we generally spend? We sat down and we got the math right and we said, all right, so that means per month we're going to put aside this much into a gift fund so that we were never caught off guard. We were never freaking out about getting a gift. We never had to feel guilty about putting things in a credit card because we can't afford them. We weren't prepared. It was like we took the time to do that and we stick to it. And then, again, Brittany was really the one that was really helpful in that because what we've learned is this next one. The season of giving does not necessarily have to mean the season of overspending, right? This is long form. This may not help you much this year, but maybe next Christmas is going to be different because you're going to set a budget, right? Because you're going to honor God with the way that you spend your money. And then three goes along with it. Make a list and check it twice. Um, this is going to help you, well, this is going to make you less likely to succumb to splurge purchases, right? You're not going to be just scrolling through Amazon or scrolling Walmart or Target or wherever you do your shopping, just looking for good deals, right? And you're not, because here's what happened. I'm going to buy three things for Brittany, but I'm going to spend all this time scrolling through things because I don't know what those three things are, right? So I'm totally aimlessly searching. And now everything that's like, oh, wow, that's like 50% off. So now what am I doing? I'm buying like 10 things that I don't need to get rather than just three that I could and get deals on those three things. And now I'm just going to buy all this other stuff, right? Because that's what we get caught up into. And I like to quote Ralph Mundell. He goes to the first service. I heard Ralph say this next quote for the very first time. You can go broke saving all that money, right? And this is what we do. I need to get three things, but instead I found 20 things that were on sale, didn't need any of them, weren't a part of my budget in any way, but they were all on sale. So look at all that money I saved. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but you're going broke saving all that money. But we don't, again, we're good at fooling ourselves. We're really good at fooling ourselves. And so how does, how does our family do this? Brittany uses this app on this next one, number four, Santa's Bag. 
Again, may not be super helpful this year. May, maybe it will. But what does this app do? And I really wanted her here for this one. She loves this app. You put in this app. It's a free Christmas app. You put in everybody that you want to buy for. You put in what your budget is. And every time you go to the store and buy something, you put that in next to that person so you know exactly how much it costs, what store you got it from, and how it affects your overall Christmas budget that you're going to spend. So everything is within this app, and every single year, Brittany's like, boom, she's done. She knows she gets shopping done very early. We know exactly what we want to get for people. We know what deals to look for, and it's done. Like right now, we are pretty much done, and she's like, and we're good. We've not overspent one cent. And I'm just like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, but again, she's the one that drives a lot of that. I'm just like, cool, honey. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany, if you're watching. Right? But again, it's just like, it's hearing good things. She learned it from somebody else and then applying it. So, number five, let your family and friends know that you're cutting back. This is an awkward and hard thing to do. Heads up. We've done it. Brittany and I have done it. One year, several years ago, we decided we're not going to keep spending so much money around Christmas. So, we're going to start letting everyone know. Now, all of a sudden, you are the cheapskate. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're cutting back, huh? That's great. And you're just like, yeah, because we don't have that to spend. And that's, like, a little embarrassing to admit. Like, we just don't have it this year. So you don't get anything, right? And it's like, but I'm not going to keep running a rat race just to buy things, again, that I can't afford. At some point, we got to draw a line and say we just can't buy gifts for every family member that we have. We're just, I'm a pastor, Right? It's like, I don't, I don't have the money to do that for everybody. So it's like, all right, so how do we then approach that? Well, we just let them know. Like, hey, let's maybe have a different, let's get together for dinner. Christmas doesn't have to be about buying each other things. Or how about this? As a family, we'll pick a name out of a hat, and you get that person a gift. Or we do a Yankee swap. And it was cool because other family members were also at the same time wanting to do that. A lot of young family, young kids. And we were all realizing, like, wow, we're way too broke to be doing Christmas like this anymore. And so it was a gift to each other. Because we started saying, hey, you don't need to get us anything. And that was a gift to say to somebody. And it was a gift to hear that from somebody. Like, hey, don't worry about getting me anything this year. Let's just get together. I can bring some cheese and I can bring some pepperoni. Man, let's do that. I can get on board with that kind of thing, right? But it's hard to do because, again, you're like, there's all that fear. What are they going to think? What are they gonna, who cares what they think? Do you want peace or not? You know? Do you want peace or not? And then, this is awkward too, but fun. Be creative. One year, same year probably, we did a crafty Christmas. So, hey, everybody, this year you're going to get a homemade gift from somebody that doesn't know how to make homemade gifts. Let's do it. Right? So we gave people coffee mugs and, like, tote coasters and I don't even know what else. But it was cool, though, because they still have those things. And so when I go over to their house, I'll go over and I get the little homemade coffee mug and I'll sit it on the countertop and I'll be like, yeah, you're welcome. I know this is kind of dusty. <laughs> Let me just... Uh, clean that thing off here for you. But no, we've got gifts that are still hanging around my house that other people made. When other family members like, hey, we just can't do it this year, but we're going to make some gifts. And it's like, yeah, man, they took time to make that. That's cool. But it takes guts to be like, look, we just can't do it this year, so we're going to make it some stuff, or we're going to be creative in how we do things. No. Your peanut butter balls don't last more than a few days. And my family never sees them. Uh, number six. <laughs> That's not true. I hook them up. I hook them up. I'm a good dad, kind of. All right, number seven, if you've got kids, simplify. So uh, also years ago we found something to, in light of, like, you know, cutting back and being simple. So something that they want, this is kind of what we found, the, the rhyme. Something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. That helps us really simplify. So if you've got kids, you can use that. If you've got grandkids, you can help many of your kids with that. 
but something they want, because yeah, something they want, that's cool, but something they need, something to wear, something to read. Like that really, really, really helped us. Also, you can be really creative. You can say, hey, let's take it one day out. Let's do a family trip to the zoo, like a big one. Let's make a special day this year. Rather than gifts, we're going to give you memories this year. We've done that before. And then that's like a little less exciting, too. Like people aren't necessarily all on board on that. But now you got this cool memory. And I know a couple here in church, They, with their kids, they said, hey, this year we're not going to do gifts. But like, where, here's the budget. Where would you like to go? One day to all their kids. They said, one day, what would you like to do around here that we can go and spend the, like, it's all about you. And that's, that's your gift. So all three of their kids picked something that they wanted to do. Boom, that's what they did for Christmas. It was their special day, right? Because they had a budget for that. So just thinking creatively, because if, in fact, this season is supposed to be, bring peace and be about the Prince of Peace, then let's actually make it about the Prince of Peace and not about worshiping a holiday. Because it's not bringing us peace. It's bringing us misery. I mean, that's why I showed you all those numbers. I don't want you to just think I'm talking in a void here. I'm looking at what's happening in our society, what I know is happening in our families and our church here, what was happening in my life for years. And so I stepped by and said, as a family, just said, no, 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 this, this is not what Christmas is about. And it changed everything for us. It really did. And we're not perfect. And again, I didn't do it on my own. We got tips and tricks from other people. And Brittany really is helpful with that in my home. So do what you got to do, right? And there might be, a, this particularly, there might be a thing here we need to let go of with this Christmas. It's just spending and spending and spending. And then, here's also a tip. You can take things back that you already bought. Right? Your kids don't know. Don't tell them. Just take it back. Like, we're not going to spend that this year. You've got to get crafty. <laughs> Let me tell them that after they open their gifts. I don't know. But I think that there's a big component here that we can let go of, and I think it'll bring a lot of peace to us. All right, so let me close in prayer. So Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, that you are the Prince of Peace. And whether we're waking up in the early hours with just like, oh my gosh, what's going on, or just the season, Lord, you, whether it's good or bad, you're still the Prince of Peace. You still sit on your throne. You are still mighty God. That's who you are. And you offer. You say specifically that you give us your peace. So I'm praying that as a gift to those here, to those watching. God, I'm, I'm praying your peace over them. God, because that's what this city is supposed to be about, Lord. Help us to be bold. Help us to be courageous. Help us to make good decisions this year that are going to help us worship you and not Christmas. And I pray that in your name, Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.